Thank you for tuning into the Monocle Dynasty Podcast, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. Your hosts dive deep on players, rankings, strategies, and much more. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Monocle Dynasty. And now, here's your host. And now I'm realizing that I was <laughs> muted the whole time, so we'll go ahead and start this over again. But this is why we do it live, baby. We don't <laughs> we don't edit. We uh, we we just fuck up, you know. But uh, I, I definitely <laughs> muted myself there. I am your we're host, Dynasty so Coach. A. Oh yeah, we're off the rails already. Uh, I'm joined by YB underscore FF. How are you doing today, Wyatt? <laughs> Uh, a great time so far. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, I am drinking some Basil Hayden's in your honor. So happy Ooh, to be here. I love it. Uh, I'm drinking some Maker's Mark as well. But believe it or not, I haven't taken a sip. I've taken a sip. Um, you might not realize that. Or not, but I wanted to give you the proper introduction that I was trying to do uh, while muted. <laughs> and that, and if you don't know Wyatt, he is the host of the Dynasty Digest podcast. He is also the creator of JWB Fantasy Football. Uh, he's also the newly appointed uh, admin of the Anal Floors. And obviously, he's, he's a good friend of mine as well. Um, so, it, you know, if you don't know why, you will know him very well by the end of the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for uh, the, the proper intro. <laughs> of course. Uh, so, and if this is your first time, uh, this is the Monocle Dynasty podcast, and this is probably how it normally is. <laughs> but uh, tonight we're going to be talking about strategy, uh, not necessarily anything in particular, uh, just kind of like going into 2022. There's lots of different strategies uh, if we're uh, learning from last year, uh, what we're taking with us into next year, going into startups, into auction drafts, all kinds of different strategies. Um, and so I wanted to bring on White. He's one of the smarter guys that I listen to. Uh, I listen to all of his pods and, uh, you know, just kind of wanted to talk some stuff out. I also know that he's already done some startup uh, drafts and uh, as I, at, I as if I could talk, as I have as well. And so we're going to uh, just kind of, you know, talk about what we've learned so far and uh, go from there. So why don't we go ahead and get started with uh, question one and basically just, if anything, what did you learn last year and can is there anything from last year that we can really take away or was there too much chaos too much hecticness you know you know it's tough because like you said there there was a lot of chaos and hecticness going on it's hard to take too many things from what happened like about specific players in a way because there's a lot of players who were in tough situations that it happened injuries covid everything that happened that kind of interrupted the season it was pretty wild to be honest but one thing that I kind of took from this that I started using because of all these issues that were happening where when I had empty bench spots at the end of my roster in deep dynasty leagues, I was grabbing backup QBs who were like the better half of the backup QBs because when COVID hit or an injury hit and these guys were starting, I was sending them to every owner in the league who could use a second QB just for a third. Give me a third. And, you know, Mike White. Joe Flacco, Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, like all these guys fetch thirds for me in all these leagues. And, you know, now I can take a shot on somebody and maybe I find the next Elijah Mitchell because I picked up Mike White, you know, randomly and was able to offload him for something. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's one of the things that I noticed, uh, you know, was all the backup QBs and, and everything that uh, that started games and actually played decently or decently enough to to help you not lose a week. Um, but I also think banking on that is so tough because, you know, it, 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 it just is. I think 
it did work out for a lot of people. It worked out pretty well. Just, you know, you needed one week. And just for that one week, Tyler Huntley was there. And just for that one week, Mike White was actually good. And, you know, so on and yeah. so forth. But it doesn't always work out that way. I remember um, a couple years ago, maybe three years ago, uh, Matt Ryan got hurt. And he was he missed he ended up missing one week, I believe. And Matt Schaub went in. And somebody traded Schaub for a second or maybe even a first. Whatever it was. It was like some ridiculous amount that he should not have been traded for. And then Schaub was terrible, you know, and so it didn't help anyone or, you know, didn't, you know, except for the guy that got a second or first or whatever ended up being. And so I just, you know, I I definitely warn people not to freak out, but like you were saying, you were taking advantage of it as far as, you know, trading these, these assets away because you're never going to get anything for them besides that one week, you know? So it's not, it's definitely smart to go ahead and take advantage of it that way. But if you're doing it banking on the fact, oh, I'm going to get that one week or something, then I, I don't, I don't know if I'd really count on it too much. It's not something you want to rely on, and it's it's a niche strategy in a way because really, it's well for one thing, it's way better in the second half of the season, right? Because someone's more likely to try and find that QB two they need to try and win a, win a week uh, later in the season than early in the season, and it's really for when you're in a deep league um, where there's just isn't much, if anything, out on the wire week in and week out, and it's one of those things where. I'll churn the very bottom of my roster from players that offer nothing to this player whom I could possibly turn into a third at a moment's notice. So like I said, it is very niche. It's just something that I'm now going to keep in the back of my head because I used it to success this year. It's not something I'm going to try and do everywhere all the time, but it's something where I now know that there is this little like trick I could try and take advantage of uh, in certain situations. Yeah, and I do think right now in the offseason is actually a decent time for this because we have no idea what's going on with Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston, uh, Marcus Mariota. You know, like, there's so Carson Wentz, the list yeah. goes on and on. And so now is the time to get guys like that because one of them, if not even, uh, you know, two or three of them are probably going to get a, a value boost at some point. And obviously that's not necessarily an in-season kind of strategy kind of thing. But, you know, we're... We're going to be talking about startups here in a little bit and, you know, picking up some of these guys and then a few weeks they, they get a value increase. Then, you know, you're sitting pretty already. <laughs> yeah. Toronto Dave says he loves when the guest outshines the host. It doesn't <laughs> take much here. <laughs> I'll do my best for you, Dave. Uh, Love like, you, Dave. Like you said, it's almost the opposite right now, right? Like where you want to try and buy those like backup QBs for thirds, some of them, because they could find themselves into a job at some point in the offseason. Right. Like uh, Jordan Love could be a starter soon. Kyle Trask could, Trask could be a starter soon. You know, <laughs> <Gordon and> <laughs> yeah, 40 and slip there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are swings you kind of want to take right now, I would say, because the like like you said, they could instantly be worth more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I've seen a, or, or heard on podcasts on, in articles and all kinds of stuff like now everyone is 100% all in on zero RB because of last year. Obviously, we know you know everyone got hurt. Derrick Henry, CMC, uh, uh, Der- uh, Dalvin Cook, you know, like these major guys got hurt, missed significant time, and obviously there's so many more that did as well. And then you have guys like Elijah Mitchell coming, you know, coming in as a six round pick and takes over and and leads people to championships and and things like that. So you know, I. 
I think are you taking are you, are you doing the same thing? Are you, are you all in on zero RB or are you kind of taking it with a grain of salt because just because it happened one time doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen again. The the way the the year went prior does not affect the way in which I draft. I have a way in which I draft, which is I pick the best players, right? <laughs> which is like seems so simple, but it's something we kind of forget at times because we fall in love with strategies and drafting a certain way and I enter every draft no matter the type of league, dynasty, redraft, with a plan in place based on my rankings that I have put together because of how I think it fits for that given year or where I'm at and in dynasty where I'm at with my rankings. So my positional uh, preference is already baked into my rankings. I prefer wide receivers over running backs when everything else is close in startups. So my wide receivers are ranked slightly higher than running backs in my rankings naturally. So yep. I account for all that type of stuff just in my rankings. And when I go into the draft, I just follow my board. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the best thing to do. I, I like how you said it. Like last year, what happened last year isn't necessarily going to change anything for this year. Um, obviously, you always want to be, you know, water. You always want to learn from the previous season. But because these main guys got hurt, I don't think that's a good reason to say, okay, now I'm all out because all they have to do is stay healthy this year. And then everyone's going to be really pissed that they didn't have Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook and CMC and Saquon Barkley and so on and so forth. Um, I I just, oh, which, and by the way, TD says that, you know, I, I hate King Henry, which anyone that knows me, you know, knows that's very true. You know, I can't stand the guy. Uh, don't want him on my squads or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, you know, it's just I, I've heard it so many times on, on podcasts and, and, and seen it in the articles. And it just seems like it's going to be something that I would want to actually exploit now, you know, where people are doing it. And, you know, I can obviously have that in the back of my mind that people are going to wait as long as possible on, on, you know, running backs. So I don't have to take them early, but I can still do the robust running back or whatever you want to call it. But I just can get them a round or two later than maybe I would have originally had to. Yeah, I mean, a, a friend of ours uh, at Nathan GN in a startup draft that we did recently that's completed ended up falling into running back value throughout the draft uh, because they weren't being taken. A lot of these running backs that were over hurt last year, he took Chris McCaffrey at 211. Uh, he had uh, got Austin Eckler at 311. He got Derrick Henry at 411. He got Dalvin Cook at 5-2. And he himself is a person who doesn't tend to draft running backs like that in in startups or you know prefer those players but because the value just fell 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 he walks into all these great running backs and now he's looking at a team like okay i'm gonna go win a championship this year now yeah and i mean sometimes you know you have to let the draft decide for you are you gonna do the you know the productive struggle and you know and play for a year from now two years from now whatever or are you just gonna go all in and, and go ahead and win the whole damn thing now and you know i've i'm actually in a startup right now and I, I kind of was looking at, this, at the, you know, at the board and just saying like, what am I going to do here? And I started with Jamar Chase and, and CD Lamb. You know, I started very young wide receivers and all that. But then Saquon Barkley was sitting there in the third. Like, all right, you know, I'll take Saquon there in the third. Travis Kelsey was there in the fourth, and then Dalvin Cook in the sixth. And I'm like, I can't pass up Dalvin Cook in the sixth. I just can't do it. So like, I I didn't go in saying I'm going to do this i'm going to draft these running backs or anything like that but i obviously wasn't avoiding them either and when it's all said and done i think my team's pretty damn good except for quarterback i'm a little lighter quarterback but uh you know we'll figure that out later <laughs> yeah barkley is like the hate on barkley is getting wild i 
in a startup that I'm in the middle of drafting right now, I took Saquon Barkley at 5-1. I mean, like, that's crazy. It, it's getting wild. I mean, people are asking if it's Michael Carter or Saquon Barkley right now, which is, I didn't <laughs> think we'd see the day, right? Uh, it's just, but I know. it's because I know of it's, last year. It's because know, of 2021. Yeah, <laughs> he is an all-time talent at RB. We've seen him do it many times. He's dealt with some injuries. I get it. That offense was awful the last couple of years. That coaching staff is gone. Brian Dayball's coming in. Hopefully that means good things. I think it does. He's got a good track record. Um, I think Saquon Barkley could be, you know, a pretty big value right now. Absolutely. If they just get better than worst in the league, yeah. then, then he will do better. It's, and actually, if you look like at the start of the season, as a team, like the last couple yeah. of years, like it's wild. If you look at the start of the season last year, he started off pretty hot and then he hurt, he got hurt again. And then everything was kind of downhill from there. And I mean, you can say what you want about him getting hurt and being injury prone and all that, but I mean, it was a freak injury. You know, he freaking rolled his ankle on somebody else's ankle. Like shit happens. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not like, dudes out there with like paper mache knees or anything like that. Uh, I'm definitely not faulting them for it, but the offense was garbage. And now I think this year they can at least get back or like up to like below average instead of like <laughs> yeah, the worst in the league. <laughs> it would be a giant step up. Uh, but yeah, I'd love me some Saquon there, especially in the third. I mean, you know, he literally was the 101 for what, two years uh, in startups. I mean, at least like mid first round pick or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now you're getting him in like the late third or in the fifth in your case. So um, yeah, I- I'm loving that. But I, I think, the whole point is, you know, just don't don't go into it with a, a certain mindset or anything like that. You can have it in the back of your mind, like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go heavy on RBs because they get hurt more often, and so on and so forth. Whatever you want to say, but you know, if somebody turns up to be a value, don't skip them just because you didn't want to go with running backs or anything like that. You just got you got to take the values, got to give you or take what the draft gives you. Mm-hmm. Always. So, like I said, I'm in a startup as of right now. You've already done one a little bit earlier in the offseason. Uh, you're getting ready to do another one. And then uh, you're, we're going to be, both be doing an auction one uh, here in about a month. So, I beyond even just the running backs, I've seen some like wild things going on uh, in these drafts this year. And not only that, but it just seems like everyone's all over the place with uh, ADP and, and everything. I mean, just it, it's really hard to gauge if you look at a DLF or even a KTC or, or you know, whoever, you're yeah. not going to be able to get a sense of who, like the actual ADP, because when you get into your draft, I mean, somebody might take a player three rounds earlier or three rounds later than, you know, whatever you're seeing in ADP. And I think it's just because there's so much going on with, you have a lot of older running backs. We have some older wide receivers that nobody wants to touch. But then you have all this youth that maybe they're not quite ready to fill those spots yet, but they're 21, they're 22, and, and things like that. And so uh, have you seen anything crazy going on in these drafts? I definitely think that the season is still fresh for people in these startups, and they're still letting you know, like some recency bias get in there. Um, I saw Amon Rago in the fifth round uh, in a draft. He went in the seventh and then in another which is still a little bit high for me. I really like Amon Rob St. Brown. I was higher on him uh, in the pre-draft process than like consensus. Um, even after he went in the fourth round, I was still excited about him because I thought he was better than for fourth round talent. It just fell in the draft for whatever reason. 
Uh, so when he performed well, you know, I was super pumped about it. And then I'm seeing everybody ranking him as like wide receiver 21 through 24. And I'm like, pump the brakes. Like we, <laughs> like we still have to recognize the situation he was in last year with TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift being out coinciding with his big breakout. Uh, you know, I, I'll still argue that you have to earn those targets. You know, their vacated targets is not a real thing. Offenses change when people are out or leave. Uh, Amon Ross still went out there, earned those targets, and did well with them. But we know that TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift are going to command a lot of targets. You you have to expect them to add to the position, right? So having him that high is just wild to me. I think I have him at, I believe, wide receiver 32. And I thought I was, like, going to be high on him. Uh, and apparently I'm a low guy on Amon Ra now. It's just you you see the this like little bit of recency bias because we're still kind of close to the end of the year where people are really hyped about these players that they just watched play and are, you know, overreacting a little bit, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I was just looking at the draft that I'm in right now and um, just to see where he went. He ended up going to 805. And I think that's actually a pretty good spot for yeah, him. Uh, but that's that. that's talking about the, that's showing the wildness that I'm talking about where, you know, you were talking about the fifth round or fourth round in, in a couple drafts. And, you know, now he's going in the eighth round. You really have no idea. And you can't go off of ADP because it, it's going to probably be wrong. Um, I actually was the 804, so I had the pick right before Amon Ra, and I, I, I did actually look at him because, I, like I said, I think in the eighth round, that's around where I'd kind of want to take him, but I ended up, uh, we have rookies in the draft, I ended up taking Jameson Williams instead because I just think that ceiling with Williams, you know, is a little bit higher, um, even though we haven't seen him in, you know, in the NFL yet, but uh, dude's going to be a stud as far as I'm concerned if he can get healthy, which it's an ACL, so I'm pretty sure he can. Uh, <laughs> so ACLs ended up going that route. Yeah, exactly. Um, anything else like really stand out in, in some of the drafts that you've done or anything you've seen? Uh, I do think, like you mentioned, how there's these older running backs, so that's affecting the drafts, that they are falling some, which makes it really interesting because we are kind of having that like change of the guard. There was that, that class of running backs was so good. They were the top for so long. Now it's starting to switch because they've all reached that age apex. So that you're starting to see that shift. And that's really interesting to see how far they fall and how other running backs get pushed up because just because of age. Um, for me, running back right now, it's like, I think there's a clear five, at least for me, uh, at the top. And that's Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris, Christian McCaffrey, and Austin Eckler for me, because I think he has a skill set that has longe- longevity to it, personally. Heck. But after that, it's like 10 RB8s. Like, I, you know, like yeah. it's just a big clump of running backs to me that you could argue across the board who should be where in that group. Yeah, but the thing is, in that group, and, and I tend to agree with you. Now, obviously, you're you're a lot higher on Eckler than I am. Um, but, you know, I also get what you're saying. Like, it's not like he, he's not that bruising running back where he has to, like, worry about getting hurt or, or losing his touch or anything like that. He, um, he definitely could play until he's 30, 32, whatever. Um, that receiving I, role, you know, that doesn't let just go away. So, yeah, and I mean, and he he didn't look like he lost anything last year. So it's not like we're saying, oh, well, towards the end of the year or anything like that. No, um, but I think in that large group of, of 10, 12 guys, whatever, the, the older running backs are probably going to score the most points of those of that group. So you know, it, it, yeah. it gets really tough. But at some point, you have to say, I want to score points and win a championship, and and you know, you have to take some of these guys. Um, but I, I love how they're dropping. They're like, you know, with with yeah. Dalvin going, 
but I don't think it's just the running backs. I'm seeing it in uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like 29 years old. But, I mean, the dude was a stud for the longest time. He got hurt this year, and it was hamstring injuries. Now, you can say we've seen this before with the hamstring injuries right. and the older wide receivers, and, and I get it. But he just went in the ninth round of a startup, <laughs> yeah. and it's like it's DeAndre Hopkins, guys. Like I, I get it, but and I mean I have to blame myself too because I didn't take him. But um, you know, like it, it's just at some point you have to take these guys um, and just realize he's probably going to put up two hundred and something points again. You know, two hundred and fifty points, whatever. Maybe he's not going to be the wide receiver one overall anymore. Uh, but he's I, he's not going to be dead either. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where when you're in these startups try to read the room you know how many of these players or managers in your league look like they are going for youth going for the future uh because then you know you can just be like okay i'm gonna take deandre hopkins in the ninth round now and you know and i'm gonna (laughs) like i can plan for these kinds of things like this looks like a room where mike evans is gonna drop and i'll take mike evans late and i'm just gonna end up having this team that's gonna be ready to compete year one but i'm still gonna be set up for the future because I've been able to just take value throughout the entire draft. Right. And you'll be able to basically have a more complete roster than a lot of the people in your league. And you can use those assets as you may. Yeah. And and all the startups I'm doing now basically have like 12 uh, starting positions. And so, you know, like you, you need as many starters and point scores as you can possibly get. This isn't your old school, six starters with the flex and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and obviously every league's different every, every, you know, so, you know, if you hear me ever talking about like a Josh Reynolds or something, maybe that doesn't work in your league, but in my leagues or a lot of the leagues that I, you know, I talk to people about, it really does matter because you're starting the 12th guy and you have five people on a buy, you have three people that are injured and so on and so forth. And you need to know who Josh Josh Reynolds Reynolds is last year too. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, I I won I won a game because of Josh Reynolds last yeah. year. Um, you know, so like I that's why I'm talking about him right now because he's he's fresh in my mind. You know, and mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that he's going to do anything this year. But you have to find those players, yeah. uh, even in the startup. You know, you have to be able to try and find those players and and just get them onto your squad. You know, we're drafting 35 players, and then we're going to have uh, you know five on the taxi squad, and then another five of Debbie picks and everything. So we're going to have 40 players when it's all said and done. And, you know, we're, we're trying to find those, like, diamonds in the rough, you know, there at the back end. Yeah. Yeah, it gets tough. I spent, with rosters that deep, you are scratching and clawing. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, you know, obviously we, we already talked about it a little bit, but is there anything that you've really changed in your, uh, like, in your mindset going into startups? You know, like, are, are you like, I got to go get a, a tight end early? Or, uh, you know, I, or you know, like, I don't want to, I'm going to go zero RB or, you know, whatever it might be at this point? No, you know, the only things that I'm finding is that certain players are going later than I would take them. So they're, I'm getting value on them to me. Like I've taken Justin Fields in both drafts I've been in so far um, because I, I think he's still, future's still really high. He's a um, middle second round pick for me. I've taken him at the end of the second and beginning of third in the two drafts I'm in. And I love that. I, I think the breakout is coming for him. Uh, so yeah, it, it, my my strategy never really changes. Um, my rankings are always made to be able to uh, take into consideration of positional scarcity and the way that I prefer positions when I'm drafting. I've already made those decisions between positions in my rankings. So when it comes to the actual draft, I just go by my board. 
I don't care about position. I'm just basically taking best player available on my board throughout. Uh, I'm not worried about certain positions because in Dynasty, it's I think it's even easier in a way to find positions that you don't have uh, because you have more assets to work with because you have picks and all this. Um, so like if I don't have a QB2 in the Superflex or like I, I had to, my QB2 is I, uh, someone I'm hoping gets a job like Marcus Mariota just because that's the way the board fell. I'm honestly not concerned about that. I don't even know if I'm going to be competing yet. So like, it doesn't really actually matter to me yet. I want to like, we'll see if I actually need a QB2 or not. I might not care. We'll see what happens, you know? Yeah, no, that's great. Um, You know, honestly, from what I've seen, I've I've done two startups now. Uh, I'm in the 10th round of, of one, but you know, the first one, it was an auction draft. And the QBs were just unbelievable. You know, it was, you know, $110 of a, of a $500 budget uh, for, you know, your Josh Allens, your Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, you know, so on. even Joe Burrow got up there, I think right around a hundred bucks and, um, and a bunch of eighties and nineties and all that. So, you know, a fifth of, or, or possibly even more of your, uh, of your budgets going towards these QBs. And then in this draft, this was a snake draft. And it's the QBs are just going insane. And now, like I said, in this draft in particular, I I, I tried to go pretty young, but then I ended up kind of like not being forced, but I, I kind of decided, hey, I'm going to grab these players and actually score some points and, and try to win the whole damn thing. But I, when I was going young in the beginning, I, I really wasn't worried about QB because the QBs are going way too early for me. Mm-hmm. And so I guess like one strategy that I kind of went with, at least in this draft, was. I was kind of punting QB because everyone's going insane, but I got Jamar Chase. I got CD lamb. You know, I yeah. got Travis Kelsey. I, I got all these guys in the beginning and like, it looks like, I mean, my team looks pretty damn good except for I have Sam Howell as my starting QB. So that, that, that's not great. <laughs> um, uh, you know, but you know, we, we also, it's the off season. I can trade and, and make things happen. But I think, you know, when it's all said and done, some of these QBs like your Matt Ryans, your Jared Goffs and, and whoever, you know, are, are still viable to get you through the season. And yeah, you're probably going to need some help in a year or two or whatever, but it's good enough. And if you can go get a solid starting roster, then maybe you don't have to freak out about getting a Mahomes or, you know, or an Allen or a Burrow or whoever. Yeah. In the draft that I'm currently in, which I'm actually uh, co-managing with our, our friend, uh, the FF Buffalo Skyler, we took Justin Fields at 301. And then we just kind of punted QB after that because the way the board was falling, Uh, we didn't like how QBs were being drafted. I thought they were being overdrafted for the most part. And then in the 12th round, we took Carson Wentz in the 13th. We took Matt Ryan. And then in the 14th, we actually just took Jordan Love. And it's just like, well, I know I have a QB two, no matter what, between Carson Wentz and Ryan. If Justin Fields is a little slow out the gate to start this year, I've got two QB twos probably that I can start. And then I've got Jordan Love who may or may not have a job and might be worth something soon. Yeah. And that's a great way to, you know, kind of like do the the stud QB approach and then, you know, kind of just fill it in later. But that's what I'm talking about. You know, you don't have to freak out about getting two or three of them right in the beginning because you really I'm, I'm looking at these rosters in this draft and you really do end up kind of hurting yourself when you go that QB heavy and you're freaking out that much about it. Now, obviously, there's always values. And I'm not saying don't draft a QB early because that's not going to be. You know, like that, that, I'm, I'm not saying that at all, but uh, there's just a time and a place for everything. And I love Justin Fields at the back end of the second, um, you know, even going into the third. Uh, but I want to say that he went in like 
early second in this draft. And I'm just like, I love Justin Fields. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think he's going to break out this year. I'm not taking him in the early second. I just can't do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. The, the, the players at the, at the early second round are, are there's, it's, it's very nice. Cause I, you, you see a lot of like Najee Harris, Deandre Swift, uh, AJ Brown, Kyle Pitts, sometimes like that section of players at the, at that spot. And I got to take all those guys over, over fields. Yeah, I mean, they're a lot more proven or, you know, they're in, I don't want to say more important positions because obviously in Superflex, the QB position is king, but, um, you know, like maybe just more or less replaceable positions, you know, like a, like a Pitts or, you know, like a stud, stud wide receiver, you know, like there's only so many of them, mm-hmm. you know, like obviously there's a million wide receiver two slash threes, but there's only, uh, you know, not even 12 of wide receiver ones. I guess technically there is, but you know, really there's not... And also, wide receiver always seems really deep when you're drafting, and then as soon as the season starts, you realize it's not deep at all. Like you yeah. think that there's all really great wide receivers, then you quickly learn like you're scratching to find somebody who could score you ten points in a given week. <laughs> no, it, it's so true. Like on paper, it looks. I mean, there really is. There's 50 wide receiver twos, and then you, the season yeah. starts, and you realize there actually wasn't. But you know, now yeah. 20 of those are actually you know are, are actually viable, like you said. Um, so like I said, we're, we have an auction draft coming up here very soon uh, that we're going to be doing. Uh, we have a couple people in the chat that are actually going to be in this uh, auction with uh, FF underscore Spaceman, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings. We're getting nerdy as hell. It's going to be fun. All kinds of bonuses and crazy shit. But, uh, you know, I already did one. Uh, I don't think you've done any auctions this year, right? I have I not done any auctions. Stop. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yes. so, All right. Well, so, so maybe, am, maybe this is yeah. actually good because this, you yeah. know, I, I, I can kind of fill in somebody that's done it a couple of times and then you can say like going into it, you know, what would you, uh, what would you think that you're going to like, that your strategy is going to be? And then maybe I can help you out here. I don't want to help you out too much though. You're going to be my competitor. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've just never really had the opportunity. I think I've been asked like a couple of times and both times it was with a group of people that I wasn't, I, I just didn't want to do an auction draft with. Uh, so I was ex- actually kind of excited for this opportunity because it's a great group of people. So I'm excited to do my first auction with all of you. Um, with that said, I've been do- trying to do a lot of research because it is my first time. Please be easy on me. Um, but from everything that I've seen and seen some of you talking about in your other in other auction drafts, uh, I have a feeling that I'm going to be pretty passive to start and try and stay calm and just watch how the room is going to try and develop my plan moving forward. I, I know I'm going to come up with some, uh, you know, <laughs> space man, tell, <laughs> tell us your strategy, um, come up with some, you know, auction values based on my rankings that I'm going to try and go by. And if someone seems like a value for me, I'll, I'll make the move, but I don't have a given strategy. I'm not like, you know, uh, studs and duds or, or, you know, uh, uh, just trying to, uh, go all, you know, middle of the road type options all the way through. I, I'm just going to try and stay calm <laughs> and, and watch what happens and try and adapt to the room. Yeah. And honestly, that's, I think that's the best thing that you can do. Um, but I, I really don't think it's that different from a snake draft. Like we just talked about, don't go in with this mindset of this is what I'm going to do. Go in with an open mindset of these are the players that I like. These are the players I would like to get, but I want to take them at the right place you know i want to take them yeah. when when it's actually valuable and uh if you do that i think you'll be fine 
uh, you know, one of the things that I will say is you really do have to pay attention because now, I mean, obviously every league, every draft is going to be completely different, but the way that we do it is you, you actually put, you nominate 24 players at a time. Um, so everyone nominates two, 24 players, uh, are, are available to be bid on at all times and you keep 24 up. So like every time one goes off, somebody nominates another one. So you're constantly bidding on players and they have a 24 hour time limit. So it, like people are up there for a long time and you, you have to decide who do I want? What do I want? You know, like that kind of thing. And sometimes, you know, a, a guy gets down to a minute, two minutes or whatever left in the draft. And you're like, wait, what are we doing? And then you, you go bid it up. And luckily once, if you change it, if you become the high bidder, now it, it adds another 24 hours to the clock. So now you have more time to like figure out whatever. It's not like an eBay thing where you yeah. just magically get, you know, win it because you got in the last second or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but the, the point of the story is, you know, like I, in the first auction that I did this off season, I really, I saw the, the QB prices and I was like, I'm out, I'm not touching them. Yeah. And then a little bit later on, I'm looking at the rest of the QBs that are left and I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> these QBs aren't looking too great. And yeah. Russell Wilson was still on the board. And I really started looking at my tiers and I'm like, I really feel like Russell Wilson was like the last player in a tier for me. And so I was like, I, I was out earlier on Wilson, but by the time we got around to the closer to the 24 hours, it was like, I'm in on Wilson. And so yeah. I took him over and I ended up winning him. And, uh, and, and like by the time I actually, you know, once the draft was over and I looked at my team, I'm like, thank God I went after Russell Wilson. Cause I saw a lot of people after that scrambling for QBs and now Kirk cousins is getting overpaid for. And you know, now like not, not, not hating on cousins or anything like that, but just like these lower level Ryan Tannehill's and, and players like that are getting bid up higher than they should be because people are scrambling for these QBs. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's one of the more interesting parts of auction draft is the way that players can go for really cheap just because they don't get nominated right away and people spend on these other players and then like later on Russell Wilson pops up and you're like okay yeah yeah and another uh, example was the 112 now we didn't actually have rookies but we had picks in the draft so you know you could nominate a pick and then you would you know mm-hmm. uh, vote on it and um the 112 got put up after like the 101, 102, and 103 had been put up. And so those okay, were the only four picks on, on the board. And the 101, 102, 103 went pretty high, obviously. And then because they were being compared, or it was being yeah. compared to the you know those picks, the, 10, or the, the 112 pretty much got like kind of slept on, you know? <laughs> and, uh-huh. and people really skipped over it. And so everyone... like it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like it was free or anything like that. But when we all looked back on it later on, we were like, Oh yeah, the one twelve was a great price. And so right. what ended up happening was the two Oh one ended up being more expensive than the one twelve. So, okay. you know, yeah. And, and, and honestly, it's not the first time that I've seen that happen in an auction. Um, stuff like that happens all the time, but it's all about timing uh, with these yeah. things. And it doesn't always work out because sometimes you think, okay, I'm going to try and sneak this guy through. And then somebody that really likes him has a bunch of money and they just bid him up and you're screwed. And sometimes you really sneak him through because people are bidding all their money on all these other players. So like, there's a, yeah. so much strategy. I love it. it it's so much fun. Um, but I, I think you have a lot of fun with it, but I kind of wanted to go over it because I want people to start getting into it if they're not. And if you have any questions about it, anybody, uh, I have a pretty good amount of experience of uh, being a commissioner of these leagues and, and, you know, doing a lot of these drafts now. So if you have any questions about it, just, uh, DM me and I can definitely help you out because 
and when you're going on MFL and doing these auctions, it's not easy the first time. It gets kind of confusing. Yeah, I, I'm definitely uh, excited for it. A little bit nervous, um, but I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Spaceman apparently says he's uh, he's going to bully <laughs> you. So uh, you know, please I, bring in Spaceman, <laughs> <laughs> please. And, you know, we're getting pretty excited about that. That's coming up here pretty soon. I think we're starting on Monday, right, Spaceman? Um, you know, we'll go ahead and get that, that bad boy started. And uh, we'll, we'll see what he says about that because he wants to wait until basically like September or maybe even like December when, you know, nobody can get hurt again. You know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've basically talked about just about everything we can with strategy. Um, and I mean, obviously, I guess there's a lot more that we can get into, but I'm pretty happy with what we've talked about so far. But I know, you know, everyone's getting into rookie talk and, and, you know, all these players. I don't know how much you've really, like, delved into everything. Delve? Dive? Dove? In? Uh, one of those words. <laughs> a, a D word. And, uh, <laughs> I, but, yeah. So, but, uh, but do you have, like, a my guy? Do you have your one guy that you're like, I just want to get him? And I, I know you don't want to give away everything and all that, but, like, you, you don't have to say, I want to get him at 104 or something like that. But, like, just, like, one guy that you would love to get if you were doing 10 drafts, you'd love to get him, like, 7 out of 10 times or something like that. Well, first off, um, I have not dug too deep into r- the rookie class. Um, prospect evaluation is, like, I think without a doubt the weakest part of my fantasy football game. It's something like I I know it exists. (laughs) Uh, So during this time, I honestly just don't spend a lot of time on trying to look at prospects. Um, I would rather use my time doing other things and then go back to people who I think really know what they're talking about and kind of take their information and try and, you know, digest it and, and come up with my own takes based off the information that I'm hearing from people that I really respect. With that said, I am a pretty big fan of Garrett Wilson because I really like that he's got great quickness, great speed. He's a really good route runner, and he creates a lot of separation because of his athleticism and his route running. And that's the kind of thing that helps wide receivers succeed in the NFL from day one. Wide receivers that can separate and run routes get opportunities. They get them early because they create openings for their quarterbacks, right? Like, how crazy is that? So Garrett Wilson also happens to be really good after the catch. Uh, and I think he's pretty good at attacking the ball when it's in the air, despite him not being the biggest wide receiver. Um, it's kind of funny because I, I actually have Traylon Burks ranked higher than Garrett Wilson at this point, but that's just because I think Traylon Burks has a higher ceiling than Garrett Wilson does over time. Um, but Garrett Wilson is kind of like my favorite player that I really like. Because especially because I think I think Traylon Burks is the more consensus wide receiver one over Garrett Wilson at this t- at this time, at least from what I've seen. So, you know, Garrett Wilson's probably going to be, I don't know, depending on where quarterbacks and running backs go, I think he could probably be four or five pick. Like, I'm guessing that's around where he'll normally go, and that seems pretty great to me. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I love about this draft class is that everyone has their different picks of who they like and everything. And so, you know, unlike a lot of drafts where you go, okay, well, you know, this guy's going to go at 101, this guy's going to go at 102, and so on and so forth. I really feel like it's very different um, and, and every draft is going to be different, kind of like what we're seeing in the startups, you know? Um, so you very well could get Wilson at five. Um, and then in another draft, he's going to go one-on-one uh, people, you know, it's, it's really all over the place um, to your point about uh, Burks. I, I, I heard a pod, I think yesterday, Ryan McDowell put out uh, the DLF uh, new ADP has Traylon Burks going as the one-on-one in five out of 10 of their mock drafts that they've done so far. 
So, you know, that's showing that he's very well, you know, up there. And the funny thing is most people would say they have Traylon Burks as the clear-cut wide receiver one. And I do have him as my wide receiver one, but I have Garrett Wilson almost tied. He's so close to being tied with them, and I don't think that everyone would have it like that. And so, like, that's that's one of those things. But I, I do love me some Garrett Wilson. Um, and, and uh, you know, Toronto Dave was talking about Jahan Dotson. That's my boy. Uh, you know, I, I, I became a Jahan Dotson fan or a truther or whatever you want to call it this year. And so, you know, like, that's kind of my boy. When I see people mocking him in, like, the third round or, like, 209 or something, like, get the hell out of here. Like, he, he needs to be going early second at the at the very latest because that's kind of where he is, like, two or three you know, something like that at the latest, 204. If he gets past that, just go ahead and, and smash accept at that point because uh, dude's going to be a stud. Like, he, he's exciting. Very exciting. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a favorite of Nathan, our friend that I mentioned before, yep. Nathan GN, um, who is one of those people who that I go to for rookie analysis, prospect evaluation. I really trust his ability to watch uh, film and come up with some, some thoughts on them. And he's a big f- fan of Dotson. So I yeah, can already tell we've you actually liking Dotson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've actually uh, talked about uh, him, you know, in DMs. So like we, I definitely yeah. know about Nathan's love of Dotson. We we connected. Yeah. Uh, we're best friends now, and so you know, it all worked <laughs> out. But but I was right there with you. The, the reason why I created my my model um, was because I. I don't watch college football. I don't have time. I'm a parent. You're a parent. Yeah. You know, like I, right. I, I have a job and, and everything. And I just don't have enough time. I would love to watch football every single day of the week and do all that. I, I just can't do it. And so yeah. I, if I can't make up my own just, you know, determination of, of if a player is good or not, I wanted to figure out a way. And I ended up doing it because I was sick of drafting the JJ Arcega wife sides and, <laughs> and players like that. You know, I'm like, I don't know who these players are. I'm just listening to other people. And I finally decided, you know, I was going to go ahead and start doing it for myself. So I, I would recommend, you know, like just even even if it's a little bit, like I, obviously it's it's great to find the people that you really like tune into and all that kind of stuff and, and listen to them. But at some point, just try to figure out a way, you know, whether it's a stat, whether it's a certain highlight or whatever it is uh, to, to figure it out for yourself, because it's such a great feeling, you know, when you're like, man, I love this player and there's a reason for it. It's not because blah, blah, blah told me to do it, yeah. you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's like one of those things where I think I have some ability to, you know, evaluate some rookies coming in and, you know, find reasons to like players, but it's I'm not confident enough in my ability to do that, that I want to make my evaluation the number one reason why I draft somebody. I want to work towards that, you know, but like you said, I don't watch college football. I don't have the time to do it. Uh, no. I, I learn about rookies right now, basically. Um, just, and and there's nothing wrong with is. that either. I, I think even like in the beginning process before I truly made the model and everything, uh, I wouldn't start until after the NFL season and, and like we started getting the rookies. Mm-hmm. But I, I started picking up on certain metrics and stats that like made more sense for these players and everything. And that's kind of where it started. And then eventually I was like, wait, I think I can start piecing this together and, and doing more with it. But uh, Toronto says, and, and Beth, we trust, of course. And yep. then uh, Spaceman says that, that I did let somebody else draft Dotson in this startup. Um, now, it just ha- so happened to be our friend uh, at Duchesne's underscore, and okay. he knows my love for for Dotson, <laughs> and he's trying to use it against me because he wants to get the the he wants to get my QB from me, and he wants to give me uh, Dotson and then maybe somebody else and everything. So it, it's all tactics, and and he yeah. went like 
he probably went around earlier than he would have gone because Duchesne's knows my love for Dotson. <laughs> that's, that's part of the fun and frustration of drafting with people that you like, you know, so well is, you know, the players that they're going to go for. So you can like do stuff, you know, in the drafts to try and mess with them, uh, trade right before them and take the player, you know, that they were trying to take. <laughs> I enjoy oh, stuff. Yeah. Even if it's like minus EV, like I like doing stuff like that sometimes just because it's, Fantasy football is supposed to be up fun. I, 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 I try to reiterate this a lot because I think we always forget. Well, maybe not we, but, you know, people in the world forget a lot of times that fantasy football is about fun. Uh, so I try to always yeah. make sure that I keep things fun for myself. And sometimes that means trading up to draft a player that you don't even like just to piss someone else off. Oh, absolutely. So <laughs> to get back at him for taking my Jahan Dotson baby, I uh, a round later, I took his favorite tight end in Trey McBride, um, rookie tight end, I should say. And um, and I McBride's actually my tight end too. I took him over my tight end one just to make sure that I got him <laughs> and, and, and that he didn't yeah. trade up to get him That's or anything like I that. For right there. <laughs> yeah, so it's, I'm I'm right there with you. I, you know, I'm I'm all about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm all about getting back at people and and everything. You know, it's it's definitely my favorite part. But you know, just being in good leagues and drafting with good people is amazing. But yeah. uh, I I really appreciate all the strategy talk. Uh, you know, and your expertise. It, it's been a lot of fun. I, I'm just happy to be back in the game. You know, I took a pretty long break, and it's it's nice having a guest. I really didn't do very many guests last year either, and so it's nice having somebody on. But you're doing a lot, and uh, you know, right now you guys are putting out like two or three pods a week, and and a lot going on. So uh, tell everybody where they can find you and what's going on. Yeah, so find me at on Twitter at yp underscore ff. You can find everything that I do at jwbfantasyfootball.com. But to break that down, we have a YouTube page where we post all of our videos. Uh, we have the Dynasty Digest that comes out once a week, and we occasionally do we'll do an extra video. In season, we have. The Crushing the Competition Show, which is our redraft show that co- comes out once a week. Um, we do additional videos occasionally just for random things. Uh, and then we have lots of articles going up on our website. Dynasty rankings, redraft rankings when it's time. I do year-long stat projections for redraft season. Lots of stuff. So, yeah, check it all out. Yeah, that's awesome. They really do great stuff. Uh, I know he puts a lot of work. White puts a lot of work into his uh, DFS pod every week and, and everything. Puts out some great stuff there. Toronto says we're two peas in a pod. Love it. <laughs> we we got the beard. We got the beards going. You know, mine's not quite there, but you know, we're we're, we're working on it. It's I okay. got a little more on top for it. You know? it's, it's okay. <laughs> but once again, I appreciate yeah, that's you coming right. on. <laughs> you got me beat there. For sure. <laughs> hope everybody enjoyed it if you guys have any questions uh i'm, I'm happy to answer them obviously why it is as well he's always helping people out uh, we're talking daily you know we, all we do is talk football and and uh you know talk life and everything so uh reach out to us and uh make sure you're listening to white and the jwb boys and uh but for now we're gonna go ahead and cash out <laughs>